everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Lit with Vic. This is going to be a little bit different, this is just going to be a short sort of interlude episode while I get the next episode ready and while I catch up on schoolwork because, you know, your girl is a student. So this series is going to be called Victoria with a K Reads. This is sort of a play on words from my account on Instagram called Victoria with a K Reads Books. In this, I will be just reading a little excerpt from a book, a novel, a poem, and then hopefully it'll be interesting or just soothing, or it might introduce you to a book or new story that you might love. Today I'm going to be reading one of my favorite poems, which is The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. I think so many people love this poem and for good reason. It's spooky. And I just, I really enjoy it. There isn't going to be any sort of literary analysis in this. I did enough of that during school, and I bet a lot of you probably won't be as interested in it right now, going through it line by line. So hopefully this is soothing or interesting. Actually, I want to, is it soothing? I think it might just capture your imagination like it captures mine. All right, and so I will be reading for my edition by Those Great Little Books. I love it. My friend Caroline, who was on the previous episode, gave it to me a couple of years ago. And it's just beautiful. It, it has the text in it, so I will be reading that. There's some nice page-turning ASMR for you. Now let's get into the poem. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak, and weary, well, for many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. As I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as if someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this, and nothing more. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this. And nothing more. Ah, uh, distinctly, I remember it wasn't the bleak December, and each desperate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly, I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my book's surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating to some visitor, intruding entrance at my chamber door, to some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, this, this it is, and nothing more. Presently, my soul became stronger, hesitating that no longer, sir, said I, or madam. Truly your forgiveness I implore, but the fact is, is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, and so scarcely I was sure that I heard you. Here I opened the, wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness, peering, long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams. No mortal ever dared to dream before, but the silence was unbroken. 
and the darkness gave no token, and the only word they spoken was the whispered word Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo whispered back the word Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber, turning, all my soul within me burning. Soon again I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what the threat is then this mystery explore. Let me my heart be still a moment in this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. Open there I flung the shutter with many a flirt and flutter, and in there stepped a stately raven. Open the here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obsessance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. When this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore, though thy breasts be shorn and shaven thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Which I marveled, this ungainly fowl, to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living being ever yet was blessed with seeing a bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such a name as nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul, in that one word, he did out nothing further than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, nevermore. Started at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken. Doubtless, said I, what it utters is only stock in store caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, never more. But the raven, still beguiling my sad soul into smiling straight, I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of the bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself into linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore, meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat, engaged in guessing, but no civil syllable expressing to this foul, whose fiery eyes now burned to my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining on the ocean's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated over. But those velvet violet lining with the lamplight glowing over, she shall press on nevermore. Then we thought 
the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee, respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind of nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent, or whether tempest tossed thee here, ashore, desolate, yet all untaunted, on this desert island enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet said I, thing of evil, prophet still of bird or devil, though that by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden within the distant Aden, it shall, shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the own angels name Lenore, quoth the raven nevermore. Be that be that word our sight, our, be that word our sight of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked up, starting. Get thee back into the tempest and the ninth Plutonian shore, and leave no black plume as a token of that thy soul has spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart, and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the palace, pal on the pallid bust of palace above my chamber door. And his eyes, his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. Well, that was a spooky story. Not so much calling. I got a little too into that. That's always been one of my favorite poems. There's actually, I've always found Poetry would be hard to get into, but Edgar Allan Poe is an interesting character. I wrote a bunch of assignments on him because he is a fascinating person and a misunderstood one uh, in many ways. Um, and I, I, I would like to do an episode where I just talk about Edgar Allan Poe's life and history because I am a historian by nature. I want to talk about history. Uh I also did a a project on Lord Byron once. is also very fascinating, as is his daughter Ada, who I mentioned briefly on the previous episode with Caroline, which I just recorded like 20 minutes ago, but I just felt like, you know, sharing that. Uh, this is this is one of my favorite poems because it it's so spooky and emotional and kind of desolate in the way it, it leaves its readers. Like, it is dark. 
but it's so well done. And Edgar Allan Poe is, he's a classic for a reason. And many of the reasons why people think he's like this spooky man is the way he was written by his enemy in his obituary. His enemy wrote his obituary. Not someone who loved him. Someone who actively wanted to ruin our perspective of him. And so that has affected the way we examine Edgar Allan Poe's legacy. I hope that you all have sort of taken a bit out of this, this little story of the grief or the horror. It, he was a master at his craft. He really was. And hopefully I will read a bit from the House of Usher just before Mike Flanagan comes out with the adaptation for Netflix because I love Mike Flanagan. And I love Edgar Allan Poe. I would love to talk to someone. If I could find someone to talk with me about The Haunting of Bly Manor. I really... Of all the uh, Mike Flanagan adaptations I've watched, I love The Haunting of Hell House, but I highly, highly recommend The Haunting of Bly Manor to anyone. It's not horror, for the most part. It's a gothic story, for the most part. But it kind of gets sort of... It gets crimson peakified. Uh, if I was to use a word, it's crimson peakified. <laughs> that people seem to treat it as horror and are upset when they're not as scared of it. But I love that story. It is just one of those. I really like for horror and stuff. I love the Raven. So uh, at the beginning of this episode, I thought it would be. I would say, well, I hope you find this soothing or at least interesting. This is more interesting. I have a plan in the coming weeks to do an episode on something else. And I, I'm, I'm still sort of fleshing that out a bit, doing my research for it, but I can't wait to talk to you on that one. It's, it's going to be fun. And that I will have a corresponding Victoria with the K reads to go along with that. This is, this is a little bit of a precursor to what will be coming in the next episode, tentatively. We'll see. We'll see how my friend is feeling. Um, but yeah. I hope you enjoy hearing me get ultra-dramatic reading The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. So as per usual, uh, you can find all my links in the description below. Uh, I'll try to find a uh, link to The Raven that you guys can all read and enjoy. Maybe I can find like a TV adaptation or something. I will, however, be linking Poe Party because it is one of my favorite murder mystery shows ever. It's free. You can access it on YouTube. It's fantastic. You will laugh. And as usual, I would like to I would like to acknowledge that I record and write this podcast on Treaty Six territory which is the home place of gathering and ceremony for Indigenous peoples here in Alberta. All right. Now, I hope you all have a nice day, uh, that this sort of short episode has entertained you at least a little bit while I prepare for the next episode. I'm sorry this isn't like a regular episode. These are just sort of... I won't have these reading episodes all the time, just occasionally. We'll see how they go. I really like doing this kind of stuff where I can show you 
public domain works that you might not have approached because they just don't seem accessible. And I did try to act this one out because I feel like Edgar Allan Poe, because he's so revered, he isn't really, like people don't think that they can touch him. They think that they can't read him because he is this great figure in the American and the Canadian and the world's subconscious. But he's just a guy. That's the thing with most historical figures. And the issue with great man history is that we can't really revere these people without admitting the fact that they are human and that they are just, they, they, they were human and they were just people living their lives trying to make money. And for Edgar Allan Poe, this was one of those things. The Raven was part of the way he made his money, but I love this story. I love this poem. And I'm not one for loving poems. I've said it before. I find poetry to sometimes be very inaccessible, yet I love that poem. I also love The Highwayman by a different author. I... The name escapes me. I will write it in the description. and Or I will cut in a little bit right here of me saying the person's name. Eh. We can just cut that out. That was a full-on little Stoltzkin impression from Once Upon a Time. I do not want to admit that, but I will. <sighs> My throat is now very dry and raspy. I've got the Rachel Ray voice on now, so that's not good. I definitely use my vocal cords a bit too much. Um, I guess I should say bye, but I love talking to you guys so much. <laughs> okay, bye for now. Chat to you later. Bye, PC. I don't want to say goodbye yet, but I will. Bye bye.